Hi everyone, welcome to Photography Chat with Merlin. Uh, this is uh, season two, episode nine, and uh, we're gonna have uh, Felice Trinidad in with us here shortly. Um, just get her in the chat, and then we'll get things going. Hope everyone's been having a good week. Oh, there she is. Okay, let's invite, come on. Why is this not working? Okay. Come on, buddy. Oh no! Felice, you have to upgrade, update your Instagram. Um, your Instagram version is too old. Um, so yeah, can, we should have done a trial run. Son of a bitch. Um, cause I, I can't, add you into it here okay felice is gonna update her instagram and then um we'll get her in here um so you know thank you ali for joining uh hey danielle how have you guys been doing this week Is still there i well i know i'm sorry Allie. it is it is monkey shit you know <sighs> technical difficulties it happens it's the pandemic you know these are these are um trying times i guess i should uh maybe make a, a point to do um test runs before the actual run because this is going to be a long start to the uh, the podcast entry when I get around to uploading that at some point. I'm a couple episodes behind on that right now because, you know, pandemic times, they're so great. Dance? Uh, I just don't... I, you're making me really uncomfortable right now. <laughs> How's Montreal? When the pandemic's over, I'll come dance for you in Montreal, 110%. If it ever is over. There we go, hooray. Okay, I think she's joining. There she is. Oh, hi. Sorry, technical difficulties. No worries. It, it, it happens. Um, you know, it's always like it's, um, the updating and all that. Uh, it's not the first time it's happened on the show. So you don't have to feel bad. Okay. About it. <laughs> good. Wait, is there a lag? Nope, you're good. Okay. <laughs> there was like a little bit of a lag, like right at the beginning, but you're all good now. Perfect. How are you doing? Oh, how are you? <laughs> I had a really good day today. I made a video. Nice. My voice is nasty because I've been singing, so it's perfect for podcast time. <laughs> what did you do today? Uh, today, I mostly work today, so my day job is a lot of Zoom, so I spent uh, a lot of time on Zoom, but I, I picked up a new turntable this week, so in my like off times, I've been enjoying Whoa. 
that's a good activity to uh, endeavor to get into. Do you have experience? Um, no, DJ, just just for listening. Um, I can't do the DJing thing. I, I tried it before. I had a bunch of friends that were DJs. They tried to get me into it, and it's just not really like my brain's not wired for that kind of stuff. Sure. It's but I have this like um, cheap on turntable that I just was never really happy with, but it was a good deal like five years ago. And uh, I'm an adult now, so I figured. I'm going to upgrade. I'm going to get a nicer turntable. So Wait, I found, when you like, say turntable, do you mean, or do you mean record player? Is it well, synonymous? It's the same thing, more or less. Is it? Oh, sorry. Yeah. I'm thinking scratchy scratch thing. Well, you could use this one. For, so it's a Technic. So you can oh, use it. Oh, you can. It's um, hybrid. It. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's like literally like way back in the day. That's what people did. They would just like buy record player and scratch away on them True. So, i can't quite do that but i know some dudes that can and they're pretty amazing at it and uh yeah, not, so not a <laughs> what's up john so i mean this would have happened if uh john hadn't have introduced us on the uh, the lomo walk there he's the the glue he, he is the, he is the glue there um, yeah, so it's um, how how has the photography stuff been going through um, the last uh, last little bit? I know you had a couple of projects there that you were working on. Um, I took a break from like December till now. March though, I have I'm I'm trying to be selective, more selective now because of COVID. So there's two big gigs that I'm really really excited about, and they're like my two favorite artists. It's gonna be like album covers. It's, I can't oh, nice. That's exciting. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, I don't really shoot casually anymore, but I'm hopeful with the weather getting warmer. Ooh, what you got in your hand there? Um, um, my neck on F5. Classic. Um, when it gets warmer, it's just easier to be safer on the outside. I don't want to, like, do the, uh, do the hassle of... Um, looking for studios and seeing if there's an open COVID then they only have like four limit thing. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, working in the, in the COVID time is such a weird time to be like creating and, and uh, collaborating like, um, Oh, someone's uh, any name drops. <laughs> NDAs. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. I have that many years. How have you been finding it? Like, you know, working through, um, yeah, I mean, the first year of the pandemic going into the, the new year of the pandemic now. I like, I, I like this break, like, because photography started as a hobby, then a career, and then I was so stressed with it. Um, and this nice, like, I, I um, this break was like a long time coming. I, I'm like, I overwork myself. I tend to do that. Just book shoots after shoots. But I like that this gave me a time to relax and like really think out and plan shoots. That's pretty awesome. How about you? Do you shoot casually? Like, do you go outside? So yeah, most, most of my shooting in the before time was all like mostly casual. Like, um, I, I don't make any money with my work per se. I just spend a lot of money on it. Like, oh. Film is so expensive. Like, R.I.P. Yeah. Call it. 
Um, so I guess COVID's helped my pocketbook a little bit because, like, I mean, I was shooting, like, three to five rolls a week in the before times um, just because, like... Doing the math in my head. <laughs> what's that? I yeah, did the math in my head. It's a lot. Like, someone asked me one time, it's like, what have you spent on, like, films and cameras? And I started kind of, like, crunching it in my head and was like, I don't want to play this game anymore. <laughs> I know. It's best not to know. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's terrible. So it's, yeah, it's it's bad. But I mean, I don't drink or really do drugs anymore. So the money that I used to spend on all that kind of stuff, I spend on a new addiction. So <laughs> yeah, a better addiction. And I mean, like the shoots I have done, I've been out of pocket on those ones mostly. Like when I'm collaborating with like Raywin and Mara and stuff, like. Um, that's just more for fun. Like they have, um, they have interesting vision that they need help executing and uh, exactly. I've got time and resources. So it's, um, it's fun to do that with them. So yeah, but uh, it is definitely <laughs> like affected like how much, cause like, man, now if I'm lucky, like if I shoot like a roll or two a month, I'm kind of like. Satisfied? Yeah. Well, not satisfied, but it's just like, I'm like, okay, I, I did something. Um, something. Of, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's tough because, like, I mean, most of my shooting used to be, um, I would, like, uh, like, for work, I used to travel a lot. So, um, like, all over Canada and all yeah, over yeah. Ontario. Um, so, I'd always just have my camera and bring film with me. And so, just be shooting random stuff while I was out and about. And then just also used to go out and visit friends a lot. So just would always have my camera with me. And so that meant there was always interesting shit to see. And now I'm just mostly um, in my house all the time. And there's only so many fucking pictures I can take in my cactuses. Like <laughs> I know. My house is not cool enough for photos. I Like, I want to try self-portraits, but if I have already used my house, like, to bits and I, nothing's new to me anymore but maybe it's a challenge i'm just gonna read this question out loud sure love your work thank you so much when i used to have to work as a musician i found ha having to depend on music for money killed my love for it do you ever struggle with that with photography yes okay i feel that because eventually i don't think i i've gotten to that point yet thankfully but because i still very much love it but um i get what you mean when money's involved and when it stops being like a for fun thing and it's just filled with like obligations and like um duties and it feels like work that's the challenge but that's why it's like so important to have a balance and just like like um people have um i try to make myself have like different art mediums so like music being one of them writing um just so i never always just in the the um I just said never always that I'm, I'm never um just in photography mindset like I want to give it a break sometimes how about you do you feel like like you've reached that point that's, that well point? so like that that's one of my my fears with it is if I started charging and I started making it work I would end up hating it and like I use it mostly as a yeah. mental health tool um, so I really don't want to hate it because like, it's literally one of the few things that makes me stick exactly. around. And, uh, so like the closest I've gotten to like monetizing it is like doing book stuff, which I just got the proof copy of the Polaroid book in. Oh my God. Um, Wait, is this your first one? 
Um, no, Have this, this is my second one. So the first That's one, so cool. uh, the first one was this guy, which I'm going to be doing a re-release of this year. Um, Ooh, I, I like the, the orientation. Yeah, so uh, I did this in 2018 because, like, I moved here um, from uh, Vancouver in 2017, and um, one of the first things that I noticed was um, all these, like, weird convenience stores that you all have, like, all over the place here in Ontario. We don't really have that shit at West anymore. Like, it's just, like, 7-Eleven oh, really? and stuff. Yeah, most of that got, like, all gentrified away, so I thought it was it was kind yeah. of interesting, so... I when I was driving around I took a medium format camera and uh and shot these things and uh, I did a run of 90 books in 2018 and sold out of them and uh I'm planning on doing a follow-up book to this um before I possibly leave Toronto later this year um oh. The follow-up I'm going to do, I'm going to do a two-page spread, and it's not just going to be convenience stores, like, it'll be convenience stores, but also, like, independent shops, but I want to do a, um, a front shot of the uh, location on pack film on, uh, like, a Fuji FP100, and then I want to do a quad of interior shots um, on this side with uh, Superior 1600, um, because, like, independent <gasps> shops... Favorite. It's such a nice film, and I have like oh five, five rolls of it left. Um, oh my God, I'm so jealous. Yeah, and I just kind of like the idea of like shooting something that's going extinct with something that's already extinct. Um, so wow. the plan multiple is, layers of symbolism there. Exactly. So so the plan is to shoot that book before I possibly leave Toronto before the summer. Um, and then edit it and put it together. But leading up to that, I'm going to do a reissue of this one um, and uh, see if people are interested in that. So this will be, oh, this one will be coming up for pre-order soon here. Um, there was just a couple of things with the the public, like the, the printer that I've got to get sorted out before I like green light it for production. Um, but I'm like fairly happy with like how the photos turned out for the most part in it like um these are some of the exciting photos that you can see in my quarantine book that's making oh, all polaroids polaroid on print is just that's so that's so fascinating i like like back to the first book i like that you chose convenience stores as a subject because there's something about convenience stores like especially like local mop pop mom and pop ones that are so aesthetic like and especially the lighting inside like i always say that my favorite 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 lighting is inside the shitty lighting in convenience stores on film because it turns mm. out like to the eye it's like like this it's like yellowish but on film it renders as green sometimes you get that like nice you know what I like convenience stores at night too like when you get that glow from the machines in there, that's kind of a cool thing um, but also, like, um, the, the thing that was interesting when I did the first book um, was at the opening reception for the book, seeing people reading it with, like, their pals and stuff, and people were like, oh, my first apartment was, like, down the street from that place, or, like, when we were kids, like, me and my, like, friends would, like, hang out and, um, like, meet up and buy penny candies at that one. And it was interesting to hear the stories from all these people about like how important these convenience stores were as like. Community. Really, very nostalgia-inducing. Like 
yeah corner <laughs> yeah it was just like you know in the time before like cell phones and um you know social media and shit like that you know people would just be like um after school like meet up with their homies at like the the milk the corner milk store and um you know figure out what they're gonna do what is it uh Ron just said something so convenience, convenience stores here in toronto feel like a scene from a murakami book at night straight portals well said yeah. Always. I, I <laughs> He's so eloquent all the time. Definitely is. I have topics here that um, I wanted to discuss, like that I've never discussed before. Okay. Okay. Um, Hit me with your topics. Let's, I'm prepared. Uh, okay. Um, I'm not. I'm never prepared for these things. <laughs> okay. Um, what is your opinion on gatekeeping in the photography community? And by that I mean, like, you know, when people ask you. Um, what lens do you use or what lights do you use or where this location, like they want the shortcuts. Like on one hand, you can see it as them wanting shortcuts and them not wanting to put in the work. Um, and then on the other hand, you can see it as gatekeeping, like why, like you seem like a bitch for keeping it a sec like secretive. What's your opinion on so, that? So like for, for me, I have no problem sharing anything I've learned and um, you know, anything I've come across because um people can use the same equipment as me, they can go to the same places as me, but they're never gonna take the same photos that I take because they don't see things um, the way that I do. Um, I personally kind of fucking hate gatekeeping um, and just sort of like the general douchebaggery that goes around in like the, the film community with like these sort of elitist folks that are just like yeah. afraid to share because they're worried that like you know someone could like supersede them or whatever and um i think that's also like a thing when you're um when you're relying on this as an income maybe yeah. that's more of like a, a scenario for gatekeeping as well um because uh <sighs> They're, they're worried about like having their livelihood taken away. Like that was one thing that I noticed a lot in Vancouver with a lot of my, um, with a lot of my friends that do photography there is like, you know, there, there was a lot of that sort of like, they were very like, they would, they would hold it back. Um, which is not how I like to operate at all. So like not a fan Respect. of gatekeeping. Um, counterpoint. Okay. You know, when you go to a restaurant, like say it's a really high end restaurant, and you ask them, like, it's taboo to ask them for the recipe because it's kind of like their trade secret. So on the topic of gatekeeping and translating it into photography world, um, like, say, like, certain gear or certain combinations of things in your work um, are your secret rep or secret recipe or secret weapon. Is Does that make it okay to gatekeep then or just, like, withhold that? Because it is, like, your your make secret weapon <laughs> well i mean even even in that regard someone can have the recipe and they're never going to make it the same way you do so like yeah. that, that's the thing is like you know someone could go in there and they can they can steal your cookbook and it could be a complete greek language to them because they won't understand what you're they could even steal all of your t utensils and tools and they'll never be able to do what you do because only you can do that that's so true. So it's like, I, that, that's where I kind of feel like gatekeeping is kind of a silly thing because like we should be um, helping to prop each other up more um, because like I've learned from some really great, brilliant photographers 
but I've also learned from some people that just like picked up a camera recently and have just been trucking around and, um, you know, just figuring shit out. And like, that's, that, and that's one of the things that I, I've really liked it, being part of like the instant film community is, um, there isn't a lot of that, the kind of gatekeeping that I've noticed at all in the instant film okay. community. Um, and so I guess I'm like trying to bring it more into like different, uh, different communities there. Um, Josh says 20 years ago, photography wasn't easy to enter. Yeah. I could imagine like 20 years ago, that would have been a lot harder because like that was more film based and that was more like, yeah. you know, or digital really like took off. Like I, I think digital really changed the moniker of photographer because like, um, even even when I like first got into digital photography in like the early 2000s um you know every asshole that could go out and afford DSLR was all of a sudden a photographer and they were like you know mm -hmm. trying to make money it was just like there was a lot of really shit output going out there um just because people could afford to buy gear and um yeah so like that that's what I think maybe they're referring to is that shift because that wouldn't make sense about 20 years ago before that shift would have happened it, it was hard because like you needed to understand how to use film and like have a studio and, and do all that kind of stuff exactly. all these these obstacles but now so with social media like in our generation it anyone can be a photographer really anyone can be discovered which is both good and bad like there's more um it like diamonds are harder to find um but yeah it, it's uh, accessibility yeah. for everyone is ultimately great. Well, and, and I mean, like, I think garbage has always existed as well, too. Like, the social media world hasn't created more garbage. It's just shown it to us in a more effective way. There's more of it out there. Um, not saying that, like, um, everything is, is, is all garbage, but um, there it, there's, like, it's been weird seeing some people that have just beautiful, beautiful work, but such a small following, not get the love that they should deserve because their their work is just gorgeous. And then some asshats out there with like a massive following and shitty photos. And everyone's like, oh my God, they're so amazing. And just like, what? I, for numbers. Yeah. yeah. Did social media ruin photography as an art? Good question. Um, yeah, you just touched that. What do you, what do you on think that? on that one? Is this, let me think about that. Ruin. Like, the traditional way to present photography was always prints and zines and stuff. But now things with, like, feature pages and, like, Vogue Italia. Um, it's kind of like, what's the word? Cheapens it? No. I'm I'm blanking. That's all right. Um, I'm kind of fifty-fifty on that one because I think in, in one regard, it can ruin it if you look at it that way. But I think it's also created an awesome inclusivity that has never existed before, um, and it's built really great communities um, where people can actually share and be encouraged and you know promote their work and get it out there. Whereas you couldn't really do that before. Like there was, there was, I think a lot more gatekeeping in photography before, like 
this internet social media age kind of thing. And yeah, that's a great point. Reverse OZ says social media does ruin what people do. And that's absolutely true is like, it's the same thing when, when uh, people say like, you know, Instagram is dead or Instagram's ruining creativity. And I a million percent disagree with that um, because it can, it, Instagram can be an extremely toxic thing, but that's not Instagram. That's you. If you're finding your experience with Instagram is toxic, it's because you've created a toxic experience on Instagram because of what you've curated in your feed and what you've like decided to pick and choose to, to have fed to you and what you choose mm-hmm. to interact with. So that's not Instagram's fault. That's a hundred percent on you because you picked that shit. So if you're feeling like shitty about it, think about your like, you know, choices and decisions there and maybe alter that. And like, I've been using Instagram almost since it came out as a platform. Um, like I got onto it like eight months after it launched. And so I've gone through like a bunch of different phases and like, you know, I've also left my Instagram. Uh, I, I haven't gone and curated it. So it's like, I'm at like 6,000 photos or something right now. So if you take the time to scroll through it, it's like, yeah. a people, dig and like, like people who do that because you get well, to see the, get, let people see the progress <laughs> and the evolution. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's also because there's just so many fucking photos that like I tried to curate at one time and I'm like, I just, no, we're not doing this. There's too many photos to like archive yeah. and things like that. Overwhelming. Um, but it's interesting because like if you go through it's like an archaeological dig and you can see the times where like I had a toxic relationship with Instagram. Um, you can see like before I got into photography like you can see my ex-wife and my dogs and like you know here's my food and this is the places I travel oh. to and shit like that. Um, and then in like the last four years it's become really focused on on photography um, which is when I, I changed my relationship with with Instagram. And I think like if you can find a way to have a good relationship with Instagram, it's a very powerful place to connect to other creatives. And really? like this is an example of that kind of thing. Like, you know, these these chats started last year because I was just bored in my house and I saw all these other people doing lives and I'm like, what's this whole live thing about? And um you know, it was just, I was making dinner doing lives and people started asking me photography questions because like a lot of my stuff is, is on it. And then it just kind of evolved from there. And I have no idea what I'm doing with it, but people keep agreeing to be my guest and people keep watching. So I'm going to keep I doing like that. This format. I like yeah. the, like how casual and easily accessible it is. Like anyone can just tune in to know. Exactly. It's been fun. And then like, I've been uploading it onto like YouTube and, and podcast, like I'm a little behind because like, I've just been kind of having a little bit of a struggle. Exactly. time. Uh, so I'm like two behind episodes behind on up- uploading. But um, it's been a really great portal to expand like my own experience in the photography world, like everything that's happened with my photography since 2018 would have never happened if it wasn't for Instagram. Because, uh, like, totally. everything Same helped me. Six years back. Yeah. Like, every, everything has helped me, like, level up and, like, do all these different things. Um, it's all because of Instagram. And, like, the, the biggest kickoff, like, it goes to um, a, a dude that I, I interviewed earlier this year, Alan Evans, who is the GM of the Leica Store in Boston. He held a workshop um, in twenty. 2018 in Boston um, and I met Armand uh, from Denton, Texas there and he invited me to Texas for um, 
this Polaroid event um, in, in Denton, Texas. And then like from there, just all sorts of crazy shit has, has come from that. And it's all because of Instagram. And um, it's a great glue to like hold these communities uh, together. So I think it really depends on how it works. Like I don't particularly like when I hear people being like, you know, it's dead and it sucks and it's killing things. Is like, I strongly disagree with that. Um, Cause that's not my experience with it. I'm just curious, like what your thoughts are on that. Um, on, I wanted to like ask a question. Do you think Instagram is dying because everyone's saying like TikTok is the new app, which I would disagree with. Like you see how people get, it's easier to get to blow up and get viral on TikTok, but Instagram is, is, caters to stills whereas um tiktok is videos so i think instagram still has many years to come i like i personally don't think instagram is going anywhere anytime soon um because it is out of all of the social media platforms that exist today i wholeheartedly believe this is the most honest and genuine platform that exists out there because it's really just about sharing photos and, and stories with those photos and so it's like if you put honest genuine work into that then and you'll connect with other honest genuine work that's out there and you'll build these communities on it um it's also in like the power of the community like you know we've seen it several times now when it's like when facebook has tried to make massive wholesale changes to the platform they've had to revert a lot of those changes back because the community on the platform has revolted and mm-hmm. you don't see that on any other social media platforms where it's like we the people on this platform have a lot more power than we may think we have so it's like even though facebook runs it and pays for it and like they own all of our photos that we we put onto it um we still kind of control the platform in a way because like they don't want us to stop using it they don't want us to push back on them so it's interesting from that regard too, because I don't think there's many other platforms where you could do something like that. Like TikTok has its own sort of like, you know, sketchiness out there. Oh, and, yeah. um, you know, I kind of like the relationship I have with TikTok is a lot like uh, the relationship I had with toxic Instagram uh, a few years back. So it's like, it's it's a real time suck and I waste a lot of my time and I don't get a lot of like richness from TikTok. I, it's more of a distraction. Whereas like Instagram for me is like more of a richness thing um, where I can connect and like stay in touch with, with other people. Did you read this comment? Agreed. And so it's a community for still TikTok is a YouTube. <laughs> yeah, it's totally true. Um, where is it here? SK squared says, how have y'all been trying to stay creative these days of uncertainty? Mm. I I haven't been doing anything photography related at all because I know when things open up, it'll be just a whirlwind. Um, so different um, different mediums of art for me. Um, but photography, I like to make mood boards for fun sometimes, even though if I, like I don't execute it, like it'll oh, it'll um, be executed some sometime. That's fair. I mean, for me, I created so much shit in the last five years that, like, I literally have thousands of photos. To in go the through. archives. 
yeah and so it's like i've been kind of taking this time where i'm not shooting as much um to just start going through them and figuring out what do i actually want to do with a lot of this stuff because um i don't actually consider myself a photographer um interesting elaborate yeah so i i kind of and a weird random lady coined the right term for me i was on like a distance date last year and this like lady's sister showed up drunk and disorderly at the patio we were hanging out in and she like was all like just wasted and just leaned over and looked at me and she's like you with your little fucking camera over there she's like you're just you're a little fucking archivist aren't you just stealing stories and tucking them away and i was just like all right i've never heard that word before does that word exist it is it is an actual word um and I was like, all right, drunk lady, you, how are you seeing me so well? Because, like, I've never really heard that term coined in that way. But when she said it to me, I was like, holy shit, you, you are right. I'm an archivist. Because, like, that's what I actually take the photos for. It's not, it's not really to, like, you know, do commercial work or anything like that. It's yeah. more um, because, like, I have a fear of not remembering. Um, I am... Also, I also have like, you know, oddly enough, someone who's like wicked suicidal. I have a fear of mortality, even though I have spent years with like tons of like suicidal ideation. So there's this like fear of like, what's going to be left behind if I ever do succumb to myself one, one day. So um, I have used photography as a tool to sort of just like archive the world around me as I see it. Um, and have it as like a, a way to share some of some of what I've seen with, with other people um so it was interesting like when when she put it that way and so like through the whole pandemic thing I've just been kind of going through the back catalog of all the photos I have figuring out what the hell should I do with all this stuff um so <laughs> that's where the Polaroid book came from um and then I've got like a couple long-term book projects um also kind of um in mind as well where i'm gonna dig like deeper into the archives like there's one that i'm really excited to to get going but um i found like an old hard drive that had all of my photos from when i lived in vancouver in the early 2000s and i was shooting like a lot of like live shows and street photography like punk shows hip-hop shows stuff like that and um i want to make this book I'm going to call it this revolution was not televised um, because there was a rap group that I used to do tons of photos for back then that was called this dance dance revolution will not be televised. Um, and I found like some cover photos that I took for them for, for an album cover that never got used. So I want to use that for the, the front and back cover of the book. Um, but the idea is like, I want to pair all these photos I had from the early two thousands in Vancouver with stories from people in Vancouver, like rappers, artists, uh, creators of like their favorite moments of like the, you know, early, mid, late 2000s in Vancouver uh, before it kind of like died off and turned into like the condo hellscape that it is now to a degree. It seems to be like bouncing back a little bit more, which is like, makes I'm me- I'm not aware of what's like, going on. Because I miss that old Vancouver, but like, 
I was just looking at these like old photos of Vancouver and I got like all misty about it because I used to have so much fun back there so that's like a book that's probably like at least a year and a half two years away from seeing the light of day just because like I have to collect stories from all these different people but like I've reached out to a bunch of peeps um to like get them to commit to stories and so I've got like a whole bunch of people on deck to like share stories with me which is going to be kind of fun and uh, when when creating a book um I've always thought about it but my problem is first like how to organize it and and that I would regret how I did things and then once it's out it's out but how do you know when you're finished like when that book of work is done stop adding to it stop editing well so it's funny that I'm, it's funny that I'm resurrecting this book idea. And the main reason I'm resurrecting it is because um, I'm a little bit sad about the idea of leaving Toronto, but um, I think my, my time here is kind of like wound down. So it might be time to go back home. Um, but I originally had thought about this idea like a year and a half ago, but my photo mentor shit on me about it. <laughs> It was, like, it was it was interesting because he's like yeah 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 whatever 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 you you have all these great fucking beautiful ideas you got it all buttoned up in a bow but you, you haven't fucking shot anything yet about it so like fuck your stupid pretty ideas just go out there and shoot 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 just go every fucking day shoot 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 eventually the fucking work will tell you what it needs to be done with it but just like fuck your pretty ideas just fucking make shit and then shit will happen from it and i was like okay okay holy shit i get it because he's like you wrapped yourself up in this like perfect idea of like creating this thing, but you haven't created it yet, but you've already given yourself the satisfaction yeah. that it's kind of like done because you've created this beautiful idea. Um, but at least an appointment if you fall short of what's in here. Exactly. Um, so I kind of took his idea to heart and I just went out and shot a bunch more. And um, like, I mean, the Polaroid book, that one was like pretty straightforward. It was, I decided to take a Polaroid a day for lockdown, which was only supposed to be two weeks, which we all know was not. Oh my God, <laughs> so, it's March. It's March. Yeah, well, no, this was the first lockdown. So th this yeah. is like lockdown 2020. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I stopped. When was the last day that I took a, a photo was uh, day 53 of the lockdown. Um, and I think we had like two more months after that. Cause I was like, I can't just keep taking more photos of like around my apartment. Um, <laughs> but like for that book, I knew like that was it. It was just all like quarantine stuff, but there's other things I've been looking at, um, in, in my, in, in my archives of like what would pair well, um, to, to go into a book. And then like even talking with, with Jason a bit about like his process with things, um he'll shoot a bunch of stuff and then like sort of lay it out and see like what looks cohesive to to go exactly. together yeah. and um like the the latest book that he just put out from um stanley barker what here just a second I'll, I'll grab it here. okay two weeks to year one yikes that's so true how many I think Canada's behind in the vaccine. The witch? I'm just reading the comment comments oh. about it. 
starting two weeks and then yeah a year later um yeah this was his his latest book that he put out here oh, i love that format that's so cool it's uh it's, it's a beautiful book but this was um he calls selected american photographs from 2008 to 2020 and it's all a mixture like some of it is stuff done on his four by five some of it is done on uh his like point and shoots um but it's just all kind a of a uh it's just america so okay. just like you know it was just photos of, of random americana as, as he traveled like you know some of it's just like mundane shit but it's it's still beautiful like you know just like a a weird stairwell kind of thing but he has been oh. taking photos since 2008 and uh stanley barker asked him if like he'd be interested in compiling like um a book of like american photographs and he was just like i just happen to have tons of american <laughs> photographs let's let's take a look at that um but i mean there's things too like um so my pal becca that i help out at the northern film collective she just released this one and we just sold out of it last week so this was uh volume one of the northern film collective and uh this book we um we put an open call out uh for just canadian film photographers to submit photos to okay, be put in book. Cool. and uh, so we featured i think it was like 68 different film photographers across canada um and they're like uh, where is it here? It was 151 pages of photos. Um, and that was like a pretty cool project to be part of. Like, you know, she did all the layout and book design, but I, I boxed up and shipped most of them. <laughs> but it was... You contributed. That's so cool. Um, yeah, I mean, like book projects are a fun thing. And I think like being... Um, oh, sorry. It'll, it'll cut. Which which book are you asking about? Maybe the last one. Was it the Northern Film Collective one? Um, so this was Northern Film Collective Volume One, but it's sold out now. So it, it was a limited run of 150 books. Um, so this one's this one's gone. You can't get it anymore. And same thing with the Jason Lee one. It was a limited run of like 200 books, um, and he sold out of those ones too. Um, and like with, yeah, sorry, sorry about that. It, it sold out, but we might be doing <laughs> a, another run later. It is going to be a yearly thing. So like volume one is like the, the start. So every year it's going to be really? like, an annual, like a yearbook kind of thing where we'll open up another submission and uh, get a whole bunch of new photographs in there. And like going back to that whole community thing and feature page thing, um, a big reason why Becca started Northern Film Collective was um, there was nothing that really um, showcased Canadians. Like most of the feature pages are all very American focused um, or like you know, out in Europe and stuff like that. And so she was just like, there wasn't really much love um, for Canadians. So she started it. And then the Canadian film photography one started too. And that, that dude is an interesting cat. <laughs> There's some weird beef there. Um, I have no issues with Pete, but I think Pete has some issues with us. 
but Northern Film Collective, if you don't follow them, check them out. Um, we feature um, daily on it. Um, we do a rotation of, of curating. So it's like, I'm the curator this week. And then uh, next week, it's going to be Allie, who's like a rad uh, lady out in BC. She, she'll be curating. And Becca takes over again after that. So um, if you're not following Northern Film Collective and you want to see sweet Canadian content, um, give them a follow. And there'll also be some other book projects coming up in there as well, too. Like the, the volume series is like that's a big yearly one. Um, but we also have been talking about doing some like smaller maybe like zine kind of things in between. And I think like making books is a great uh, pandemic thing to do. If you're like feeling stuck with not being able to shoot, you probably have a ton of pictures that you haven't really done much with. So why not compile them in a book um, or make a print, offer prints on, on your um, page or something? Um, so I really want to start printing my work. I, I never do like, maybe the, the the i've only like do you have any prints of your work in your house or in your room i not not in my room yeah, I, I, I mean i only have a few um that i had to print for a gallery but like it wasn't specifically for my room but i want to start doing that more like i'm kind of a weirdo and i don't like looking at my own photos <laughs> right <laughs> it's um yeah. Like when I when I did the first book release, it was with a gallery showing too, and I had like forty eight photos up, and um, not all of them sold. So I had like dozens and dozens of my own photos just laying around, and I got sick of them taking up space. So um, <laughs> yeah. the first lockdown wound down a bit, and we we're able to freely travel a bit more. Um, I did a print giveaway. I just said anyone that wants free oh. art, DM me your address, and I'll drop off like distance drop an eight by 10 yeah. frame photo. And um, yeah, I gave away um, all of those prints. I do have one and only one print here. I'll show it to y'all here just a sec. Hey Siri, Aziz Light. Okay. I depend on Google Home and Siri. What's that? I depend oh. on Google Home and Siri. It's so funny. So this is the one photo of mine that I have up oh, here. Cool. The Polaroid photo that I took. It's cute. It, it, yeah, it is. Um, now, it's, it's, it's a scan and it's enlarged because like a Polaroid's not typically that big. But um, this was something that I made for a, um, it was a show for mental health with Cam H. And uh, I shot this in a town called Hope, BC. But I like the idea where it says, experience hope. Because you know we all kind of need that. <gasps> That's so cute. Hope yeah. as a city, but also. And, and hope is an interesting thing too. So, um, oh, here, like while I'm out, I can do. There's some of the, the camera collection. The photo books are great. If you don't have many photo books, go mm -hmm. go buy more. Books. I'm gonna show them too. If you're struggling with like creativity and what you're gonna do, um, like you know, get. <laughs> photo books get some get some ideas out there um and then also like if I, i'm a huge polaroid nut but like polaroid stuff these are some great books like the polaroid project has some amazing um stuff on there of like different eight by tens uh different media that was shot with with polaroid um the instant the story of polaroid 
that is a really fantastic book just to learn more about Polaroid. Um, Polaroid the Magic Material is a cool book by Florian Caps, who's the guy that created the Impossible Project Resurrected Polaroid. And then this one here by Peter Wensberg. It's a hard book to find, but it's a really, really fantastic uh, story about um, old school Polaroid. It's so like the dude that wrote it was like an OG Polaroid employee that worked under Dr. Land. And um, yeah, there's some, some great books there. All nerding out. <laughs> yeah. What a shelf you got. Rent, this book is my favorite. She's super heavy. And I got it in New York. It's Ren Hang's book. Oh. Oh, probably shouldn't oh do it. It's okay. <laughs> You're going to put it on YouTube. But yeah, Ren Hang. You know That's, this book? No, I've never seen that one. But do you know who Ren Hang is? I'm sure. I'll, I'll have to look. Okay. He is a famous Chinese photographer who takes very risque art. And he actually got arrested or Good. like just got in trouble legally. Um, because in China, like, it's very taboo to photograph it, even talk about it. Um, and then, he, unfortunately, he killed himself, but he's such a great photographer, and it's just so obscure. Like, I'm sure you, if you see his photos, you, like, Those are beautiful. You, 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 you've seen him before. They go around. I'll yes, you know Red Hang. Here, well, while I'm yeah. out, at least, that, that's what I picked up this week. I like the yeah. clear case. Is it one of the modern ones that are just like you, you press a button? No, no, it's it's from the seventies. It's not modern at all. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I like doing things the hard way. I'm looking at my zines. I'll have yeah. to check the in. <laughs> zines take up so much space, but I love them because I can open them like a year later, and it's a completely new experience for me. Like I forget what's in them. The, the books or yeah like scenes okay this is my favorite zine it's love magazines um fan edition and it's okay. like like kendall jenner i think yeah kendall jenner um shot like a bunch of like they, they selected people from social media and they shot them like you got to get shot by kendall jenner and they're actually really good she's a good photographer interesting I wouldn't, I wouldn't have expected that. Right? <laughs> but yeah, that's my favorite. Who would have thought? So heavy. Yeah, celebrities getting into photography. So cool because they can afford any camera they want. They always choose the Context C2, and that's why the, the prices soar. But yeah, they're, they get to reveal a world that we, the regular folk, don't see. So it's cool to... <laughs> Step into their world. Fred yeah. Hank's big tank on the hotel room bed with the lovers of that. I know the shot you're talking about. My favorite shot of him is the one with the bird hanging from a girl's mouth. I think. But that I'll just look at their work. It's a shame that they passed. Yeah. Um, anyway, I have another topic. Um, yeah. What's your editing ritual? My editing ritual? Well, I'm not going to lie. I kind of fucking hate editing a lot. I hate editing. Yeah, I know you do. We've been talking about this with John, too. 
<laughs> which which is like the main reason I do not like shooting digital is because I fucking hate editing. Oh my god, so, it's the worst, especially event photography when you have to stay till midnight and then have all those photos and then like you need a quick turn turnover like you're it's an all-nighter basically <laughs> yeah it. like that that's one of the main reasons i really like shooting film a lot because um i like the scans that i get from downtown camera um and i've gotten used to like certain stocks how they scan those stocks and like it gives me the result that i want where i typically don't have to do anything at all to um yeah. do the photo like this even even when i did this book um these are all just native scans from downtown camera they're not even tiff scans they're just jpeg scans because i'm a cheap bastard um <laughs> never pay for tips except if it's like if they have the budget but yeah <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, like, unless you're going to be making, like, a massive, massive yeah. rinse or whatever, like, the JPEG scans are totally fine for, like, digital consumption and, like, exactly. prints up to, like, 11 by 17. So I just, like, I haven't been able to justify going to TIFF, but um, I've, I had to relearn how to use Lightroom after the car accident because, uh my um my um my brain got all weird on me um so it was like hard to like remember how to use computer shit so by the time i could sit in front of a computer screen and not feel all janky about it i'd completely forgotten how to use lightroom so i was like oh neat i get to go through a whole nother hell of like relearning everything about lightroom again and Every photographer I, knows the hell of their first experience with Lightroom and seeing all the, like, what's a tone curve? And what are all these little, ah! <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's one of those things that, that you just love to hate. <laughs> True. Do you have the new Lightroom? Or, like, did you upgrade? Or I do. So it's like, I got a homie that works at Adobe that, like, hooks me up with, with stuff. Every year. So I get, like, a I get a good deal. I like so it. So I got like the whole, the whole thing, which has helped because like when I did the book, I did that all in InDesign. Um, and if you're thinking about doing a book, or if anyone's thinking of doing a book out there, um, I would highly recommend checking out Blurb. Um, their pricing is fantastic. Um, if you have InDesign, they have a great plugin that you can use with InDesign um, where just basically it builds you the template for the book mm -hmm. so that you know everything that you have to like fit within so that the book prints well um, and then automatically uploads your project in there and the thing that's cool with it too is you get like like it's real you get like an ISBN number and everything so it's like you can be like I'm a published author um, and if you don't have InDesign they have their own software called BookWrite that uh, that is really easy to use and so I would definitely recommend like if you're bored in the pandemic trying to figure out what to do and like you're sort of like creatively flat and and you're not sure um then check that out maybe making a book would help get you out of your funk a little bit and get you all excited because you could look through your back catalog and go through some memories really different it's just so satisfying 
there is something really satisfying about like flipping through and seeing your your stuff and like it's uh, that's the one thing that's going to bum me out about doing the the book in the new world now is that I won't be able to do a reception with it and just like you know see people getting all excited about it For and stuff. Book parties. Yeah, so that's kind of a bummer. Yeah, mm-hmm. editing, I hate it. <laughs> um, my editing ritual. Sorry, <laughs> just like yeah, with, with your editing ritual. Um, okay, I need to light candles. Um, oh, I'm a very yeah. sense person, um, okay. and sound like the playlist has to be so fitting to the like if there's something off and like and the photos don't look like they could be like the the movie or stills to the song that that's playing everything is thrown off so yeah playlist choosing is very important to me um i edit best when i'm um editing to grimes like that's my secret weapon okay well that's all it takes to be fully stock on edit to grimes but um yeah i like like some depending on what's playing like do you do play music when you edit like, I mean, who doesn't, but... <laughs> I, I play music, like, most of the time when, when I'm doing, like, stuff where I'm trying to concentrate and stuff. Like, I, uh, music is an important... Lo-fi, hip-hop, and playlists, but, um, yeah, like, it... I can see, like, in front of my screen that I... Like, my editing getting better, or, like, th- little things changing. Like, I will start to edit the way the song makes me feel. Like if I'm editing a really dark neon set and then I'm listening to something that's like summery, um, it, it'll, it'll start, it'll just throw things off. So that's always really important to me. Yeah, I don't get quite like, so I'm kind of stuck in the 90s with a lot of what I listen to. Um, so it's like when I really want to concentrate, I'll like listen to a lot of like old punk um huh? whoa yeah or like hip-hop yeah no Na- nas knows i love like no effects bad religion um <laughs> gutter mouth uh lag wagon like that kind of stuff is just like no use for a name i listen to a lot of that stuff when when i'm doing editing but then also like a lot of hip-hop stuff like um lp is like one of my favorites to listen to when i'm more like trying to focus and work on stuff and like run the jewels as well because like yeah you know, it's the work that lp and killer mike do there is, is really great um one that i'm curious do you ever listen to Leolani? no it doesn't ring a bell okay i'll have to send them to you um yeah. they're fantastic like if you dig grimes you'd probably like Leolani a lot um this is like young girl that lives in california that does like all this like fucking crazy shit with like a, a machine um like you know um, <laughs> yeah like sequencer and like you know she's wicked talented and has like really kind of skyrocketed and she did a bunch of collabs with the gas lamp killer who i love listening to the gas lamp killer when um i'm trying to focus on name? is that a band it's or a, a dude it's like it's a um and he toured with run the jewels uh for rtj3 um so i saw him live for rtj3 that was really cool 
Um, but yeah, the Gaslamp Killer is great. His music, he released an album last year called Heart Math, which is a really great album. Um, yeah, these titles just, are very intriguing. So he's a very intriguing cat. Um, the uh, there's a live album that he did, the Gaslamp Killer Live. Um, there's a track Nassim that he does on that one that's like one of my favorite tracks, and also just because like just some of the stuff he talks about in it as well, like his, his commentary, because it's a live thing. He's an interesting ch cat and also just like very approachable. I've had a couple chats with him on the grams, which is like one of the things I really dig about Instagram is that like all people are kind of just people on there. And so it's mm. like, it's it like the playing field. <laughs> exactly. It does level the playing field quite a bit. And he also has like a really cute cat named the catnip killer that has its own Instagram. Oh my God. Of course. <laughs> the cat's gotta have an even cooler name That's yeah exactly sick. yeah music is important I, I freaking love like rocking out to stuff when I'm trying to work away on things oh. when you edit do you take breaks or do you is it like when you start you have to finish when I start I have to finish because I just want to get it done because I just like hate doing it so bad so it's just like when I'm like okay we're doing it this it's is it for sure yeah. And if you start, if you start again on another day, like the tones will be like, it won't be consistent. Like consistent it's not the same because you're not in the same mindset when, when you sit down and like, um, I don't know if you've like dealt with catalog corruption yet, but that was all sorts of. Oh, that triggered me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> damn. Oh my God. There's so many things that can go wrong. Um, yeah. for me, like, okay. Uh, what helps for me is especially if it's digital or just like a, a large body of edits. Um, I can, you know, the tool toolbar where you can see how many photos you have left. Mm -hmm. I want, I, if that toolbar is tiny, it triggers me. So I need it to be very wide. So I, the first thing I do, I, when I import my photos, I put them into like group folders of 50 or 100, something like small, so like it's manageable. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm done. It's just like, it just makes me feel more motivated, like, <laughs> because I, like, it, I don't see how far I have to have left to go. That's definitely <laughs> a good way to go about it. Just sort of like, I, like yeah. <laughs> Like, if we switch like outfits or location, I'll, that's a different folder. Just so I'm like, okay, that's done. And then I have like a checklist. That's actually a really <laughs> great idea. I Instead like of like, that. A, like a bunch just staring at you in the face and <laughs> thanks. Um, and what else I have? I talk to myself when I edit. Like I, I talk out loud, like <laughs> bad things like, what are you doing right now <laughs> these tones are like I'll, I'll say out loud what i want or what i can see that i need to do and then i'll do it it's just a whole thing <laughs> do you get stoked sometimes we're like yeah i fucking nailed that mm -hmm. one. yes yeah. oh my god the best feeling is when you're done that is a nice I feeling <laughs> and i can't i don't even own a laptop because i can't like do you edit in like in public or just in the comfort of your own home I had it in my house, yeah. Yeah, same. I like my neck. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I just... 
I, I use a MacBook, but it's hooked up to um, oh, yeah. double screens here. Like I can... oh, double screen even. Ooh. Well, because I also work from home, so it's like yeah. it's the, the two cool. screens and then like my MacBook and my work laptop over there. Um, <laughs> yeah, but oh. I just uh, I just ordered an M1 Mac Mini. So I'm kind of curious to see how that works. Um, is it new? Mac, I don't yeah, it's like the latest Mac Mini using like the Apple Silicone. Um, because I used to have like a, a, an older Mac Mini that I sold because I was like, well, I never use my MacBook. Um, so it just seems dumb to like have a MacBook and the Mac Mini. <laughs> so I'm like, sell the Mac Mini and use the MacBook with the screens. And my MacBook is like, hella old and I totally forgot that when you run screens off of it it runs the fan all the time so it's never quiet it's just always loud and it oh, no. irritates me so much I hate it so how bad. old are we talking 20 uh shit what is this it might be a 2014 and then oh shit so it's, it's a it's a macbook pro 15 late 2013 yeah. Eight and eight, it's eight years old, but it's running a big speaker on it, so it's got the latest <laughs> oh, OS. It cool. works fine. Yeah. Like, and fun fact, I stole it from a company that I used to work for. Um, yeah, well, they were a startup and they were dicks. To me. <laughs> well, the thing is, I stole two laptops from them. Um, <laughs> for legal purposes, this is a joke. No, it's not. Well, I mean, they're bankrupt, so they can't even sue me anymore. Oh. Um, so they, like, ran me ragged when I first started working for them. And when I quit, I just didn't ship it back. And, like, the HR person's like, oh, did you send them? Like, oh, yeah, totally. I dropped it off at FedEx. I don't really know why you didn't get it. And they eventually just, like, lost it. And I was like, fuck, yeah, free MacBook. Um, and then I went to go back to work for them nine months later and um when i came back they're like oh yeah what kind of like laptop would you like issued and i was just like in my mind i was just thinking well y'all know that i have this laptop i took so i just kind of assumed that i was gonna use it but i didn't say that to them i was like oh i they're like of course you get a new laptop and i was like oh cool i'll do a macbook pro 13 sure <laughs> it's like the 15 is kind of a beast so I got a, a 13 and then they went bankrupt while I was working for them. And that's why I work at Dell now. Yeah. That's a great story. <laughs> Everyone's laughing. Yeah. What? Um, I don't steal anymore. Cause like, <laughs> I'm just too old for that shit now. And, uh, but I mean, I was a petty bitch. Still get ends on Opportunistic. Yeah, sure. Opportunistic. Positive spin. <laughs> it's a, I felt they did me. They did me dirty, so I had to like get my dig back in somehow. Um, yeah. That's What's an interesting life? question. <laughs> what What has been like the most like awkward work experience you've ever had in photography or just in your daily like work job? Awkward. Yeah. Okay. There's like levels of awkward. Like, Photography's always awkward. been good, so 
Okay. Um, I work retail at Adidas, and okay. um, these older guys, like maybe like sixty, were like, but like young at heart, were shopping for shoes and um, <laughs> sorry. Um, and okay, so I got them their size, and then I I told them like the shoe like um, like Adidas is known to be like longer or whatever, like like go go a half, half size down, and then he's like. Um, I walked away and he didn't think I was listening, but he was like to his friend, I I'm more known for my width, length than my width. Sorry. Okay. I, I just, I just, <laughs> I just messed up the joke, but then, and then I, I was like, that was a good one. And he, he was like, I'm a cool person for, for letting that slide as a woman. I just yeah. had like real weird comments about my body when I work retail. But really? honestly, I've never had a bad experience. Maybe like catfishes, maybe one or two. But wait, wait, how have you had catfishes in photography? Like the when I shoot people who must, must, must have the raws because they like to manipulate certain things before the finals release, which is cool, which is cool, like bodies this morph is real but um yeah it's just it's something i don't really prefer i like yeah, that doesn't like, seem right yeah <laughs> you have that when like someone's like particular with like you'll do your edits and then you can't release them yet until they do their own edits <laughs> so like this is mostly why i'll never really do stuff for money is like I did a wedding once and it was like a fucking nightmare and I'm like I'm never gonna do a wedding ever again oh it was super painful and awkward I can't and then... see you doing weddings what's that? I can't see you doing weddings you don't see <laughs> first of all Dude, getting, going home to that many photos was it, it was... solo? yeah it was solo and it was like it was also a really crazy wedding experience in, in the way that it was a camp away wedding so it's like we were in the middle of the fucking forest Whoa. for like days we were there for like I think days? it was Not just a we, were, we were there for two days two or three days before the wedding actually happened we were there long enough that we drank all of the alcohol before the wedding even fucking happened and shit got really what kind of planning were they it was, it was just a really it was it was a it was a fucked up experience oh but God. i'll never shoot another wedding because of that and then recently i did headshots for a friend and um they were all happy with them but then afterwards they're like oh hey like can you change this and can you change that like i had another friend look at it and they made these like recommendations and comments about like these things and i was like what they're like why is the light this way it's like well because like we shot it under like, an incandescent light so like that's why like you wanted to have that lighting so that's the lighting it's like it. oh well, my friend says it should look like this other way and i'm like i literally did this for free for you like it's already edited i'm not like you said did you say free yes because it was like a favor for them they're like oh i'm like having trouble and um I was like, that's it. I'm never doing that again. You shot a wedding in the woods that happened multiple days for free. 
It's okay. Live and learn. But that's oh, the, the wedding I got paid for. Oh. But it was like only a couple hundred bucks. Um, the headshots though was like a different thing, and like that was like, I don't know. I just <laughs> people are kind of dink sometimes. So. Live and learn. Every every time something bad happens with a client or just like an interaction about photography, it's just another clause added to my contract. Like, oh my, okay. What I've learned is, that is so important is to have a late policy, a late policy and a cancellation policy, okay. because especially as someone who commutes downtown or wherever um, and doesn't drive, I had to wait two hours for a client once. I waited. Thankfully it was, it was, sunny but like two hours like at that's this point, a little I rough go home yeah like i that's... don't know like how how long do people usually wait like until it's considered late or canceled because now for me it's like 15 minutes 15 that's that's yeah. fair yeah yeah like that's 15 minutes has just kind of been like the time i give to like all things where it's just like if you are not here in 15 minutes or if you haven't been like hey sorry running behind like you know updated eta kind of thing like if they don't have the decency to yes okay that's so important because on my way means nothing to me i want eta i want shared location (laughs) i want to watch your uber come to me (laughs) oh it's just like okay punctuality is very very important to me and and i show up like an hour to 30 minutes before so 30 minutes late means i've been waiting for 1.5 hours holy shit well good to know that you're such an early i'm a perpetually late person i'm terrible with it i I commute so i always have to be like i just get very very anxious if i am not that's fair things bad things happen when you rush too so yeah you don't want to talk at all Arguments are over Raws, honestly. Yeah. Sometimes, like, yeah. <laughs> I I think now I don't mind it as much because, like, if they, like, there there's other shoots. Like, if it's, like, something that, that's not going to be heavily publicized um, and it's just on their gram, like, sure, you can have the Raws, but, like, what I post and I put out there, up to me well yeah because that's your brand at the end of the day so you want it to be like you know on brand for you it reflects on you and also sending raws are freaking i mean if 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 it's film that's cool but like if it's digital we transfer multiple files like i don't know how 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 to efficiently send raws because it'll take hours (laughs) yeah it's too huge sometimes to send the raws yeah, especially when you're doing digital shoots because you've probably shot a lot of photos when you're doing digital. Um, yeah, <laughs> which is like, like I don't know why they need them. Like I, I, I trust that I find the most flattering ones, and I send a, a generous amount. Like I don't count edits or anything, um, as long as they're not blinking or it's out of focus. Like I edit and send, but yeah, it's weird that people still want even the the outtakes. Why do they use the rods for the gram? Okay, 
maybe okay why do people need bras maybe it's because they want to see their modeling or like their just learn from their mock poses or they they trust they don't trust that you that that you um sent them all the good ones like there's like secret ones i guess well then john's asking what are your thoughts about a client or even a model posting your edited work but altering the image and then tagging you whoa altered like if it's like something that's dramatic like I, I get if like you added graphic design or whatever to the album cover, but you know as long as it's not on my page because that's what I have control over. Um, yeah, it's fine with me. <laughs> yeah, I got a question for you. This is sort of a controversial one. Borders or no borders? Um. Okay, honestly, honestly, I think borders have the ability to make a shit photo look better just because ooh, ooh, everyone loves borders. It's just like, like a, so in that sense, I see it as like a, a shortcut to good photo. And like the real good photos, um, like, you know, it's, it's good when it looks good without, with or without a border, you know, you know what I mean? So I've I've never I don't think I've ever asked for borders. Yeah, how about I fucking, you? I fucking hate borders. <laughs> like, oh my god! Okay. What about I'm on digital? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, on anything. I just I fucking hate borders. Like, I'm gonna out myself a little bit here. If I click on someone's grams and it's all borders, I click out of it. This is turn off. I'm probably like gonna lose a bunch of followers for that one, but it's just like I really <laughs> hate borders like so much because I'm like I don't. It's already a small enough picture. Why are you gonna make it even more smaller and have Hi, all the light? Now, only caveat being is sometimes when you want to have it in a certain orientation, you gotta fuck with borders a little bit mm -hmm. to get it fit right, but that I understand and, and I give leeway for but like if I see like something where it's just like a sea of like white or black borders I'm just like when people um, edit borders on digital um, it's first of all it's like it's tacky and second of all I see I see it as like misleading very misleading like you're fooling your potential clients like thinking like that it's film and that you do this when it's uh, I just like authenticity <laughs> yeah I, I agree I like authenticity too and I also just like seeing like more of the the photo like it's and that their their comment is right your makeup is very on point tonight Thanks. I, I filmed like... the video and I so and I was like it was for for this and my video. I'm excited to see the video. When are when you uh, posting that? Probably oh, yeah, right after this. It's a, okay. it's a cover. <laughs> nice. Um, I do like seeing your, your music um, stories on there and stuff. It's a nice escape from photography because photography is just like a career right now. I don't get really get to shoot for fun anymore because like I always equate the costs. You know what I mean? Like that's fair. Um, it, it does get kind of expensive. 
Oh, okay. Someone DM me. He was in this um, chat. Logan video photographer. His it's Logan. His name is Logan. Um, he wants to be yeah. part of the session. Yeah. He's like, how do I get in one of these sessions? So I will share your name to, or his name to you. Oh yeah, yeah, for oh, sure. I think he does video and photography, but he's someone I shot with a very long time ago. Okay. Yeah, I'm always happy to like you know do more interviews with with. Yeah, these are cool. Thank you for having me, by the way. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Like, thank you for being on it. Um, People like, are very engaging, which is like makes a difference. Well, and that that's what um, that's what makes it kind of fun is like when there's like engagement from the crowd and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And sometimes like the people are also like wicked engaging. Like I think one of my favorite ones so far was Grant Britton last year. He was like that dude. He fucking kills me. He's such an interesting cat. He's like one of the longest running skateboard photographers out there. And um, <laughs> the chat with him was just so much fun because he's just this like fucking rad cantankerous dude from Southern California that just takes no bullshit from anyone. And um, yeah, it was it was interesting, oh. like just hearing how his experience has been. And like his photography is also amazing because like I love his skate photography. And so far he's been the only person on the, the chat that's done this, but he sent me this like massive Dropbox of photos ahead of time. Um, yeah. And I was just like, okay, like I could share some of your work here if you, if you want. He's like, oh, I just I thought I'd share some stuff. He's like, just between you and me, like don't give these to anyone else. Um, but he had like a bunch of his artistic stuff in there and his like his black and white artistic photos were just mind blowing. Um, so he's been my favorite person oh. on, on the chat so far. Where is he based uh, again? He's in SoCal? Yeah, he's um, not far from San Clemente, I believe. Because that's where I met him was at the Darkroom Lab Film Padea in San Clemente in 2019. Um, which was a lot of fun. That's where I also met um, Take, who is the dude that I uh, was chatting with recently. Um, not, I think he was, yeah, last week was Take. Um, yeah. You, have you spent some time, or have you developed film in LA um, or California, I guess? Um, do you know, there's this famous photo lab that everyone goes to. It's like red, red stock or Red Film Lab, or do anything ringing the bell? No, but I, I haven't had anything developed in, oh, in okay. LA. Um, I noticed because... that like, people who shoot and develop there, like they have this certain tone that um, I try to emulate, and I can never. Mm -hmm. I don't know like how they do it, but I want to send one of my, my roles to them one day. Is it just like in general or when they're doing like outdoor shots and stuff in general like even indoor like there's the, like the the way they render skin tones it's just like this nice yellow warmth that i'm always going for but it's just they just have a look i'll find oh. it out and maybe because that, that's one thing i noticed too is like when i would see photos of like the midwest and um like even like you know california and stuff there's just this like way about the light there 
that yeah is it the sun is it yeah. it, it is fun so it's like the very yeah. first time i went to texas and i got my film back after shooting there i was like holy shit you just have to be there like that it's just oh. it's the way the light is um oh, yeah, like, texas is such a fun place to shoot from that and the desert too like mm. i've shot a bunch um outside of the desert um in las vegas and that's like uh, desert that's cool it's so cool. Like there's just something really just awe-inspiring about All how negative space, just blank yeah. space. It's it's very peaceful. Hmm. Is it inconvenient? Like, like the like the heat, or it's not mountain? really. Like it's so I don't really like Vegas at all, and so I'm like the old world whenever I would have to go to Vegas for work I would try and spend as much time as I could like out of Vegas yeah so like, <laughs> I work and then like rent a car and like drive out um and it, it's not super duper hot but I mean like the thing too is like if you're in a car you can like dip in and out of the AC and shit True. so like <laughs> drive and find a cool spot take some photos get back in that sweet sweet AC True. um but night photography is pretty cool out there too. Like Los An or Las Vegas had some like really cool, like the Neon History Museum was a cool place to go shoot at night because they have like all this like old neon lit up at night. And uh, yeah, that's that's dope. John says scanning from RA4 print can also give that warm tonality look as far as fashion work goes. I feel like a lot of Cali photographers tend to overexpose their color neg work. And that's true. Yeah, they do. Like that was one of the comments that that Jason told me with uh with Portra is to always like overexpose at one stop. Um mm -hmm. I at, used to do that. But now I just shoot straight. I, I used to like overexpose it too, but it's just like, you know, for lack of better words, I've just kind of like discovered that like portrait is just like the dirty slut of like film emulsions and it takes whatever you throw at it and renders beautiful oh books. my god so true like that's why it's like let's <laughs> go to it's my go-to i never shoot fuji except fuji superior 1600 i'm glad you mentioned it because i missed it is it still available i know it's it is not they no? so they, they killed it they killed it um last year um Shit, I so it's like, I bought six rolls from Downtown Camera when they were just going out, and I've got five left. Um, one expo uh, expired one, so maybe I'll <laughs> put that to use. Expired's fun though. Like some of my favorite film to shoot is expired. Like I've got all this old school Egg for Chrome RS one thousand. Um, oh, oh yes. Yeah, and like this so shit expired. I think like some of the newest stuff is like 95, but a lot of it expired in like 91 and it still shoots beautifully. John speaking facts. <laughs> Post for 320 and developed for 400 is the consensus. Yeah. So that that's what I did for a long time with, um, with my portrait was exposed 320 and, and just develop standard. Um, but uh, I've been really liking Lomography 400 lately um, because the Kodak price increase was dramatic. Oh, I know. I know, right? I've had to, I've had to change my film price sheets. 
because I I, for, I um charge for some costs too. Well, as you should, yeah. You, know, you got to recoup your cost on it, and like the the code, it was a lot. And I mean, they got me on the um, they got me on the film price increase last year. I like dropped way more money than I'd like to admit because I was like, oh my god, oh my god, and then this time I'm like, fuck no. you. That's no, I'm not. I still have like. Four or five rolls of Portrait 800 and like four or five rolls of T Max 3200 left from like that um, that big old purchase. Good for you. That's fair. You're holding gems. Um, we are spoiled with the flashes now. Yes, I know your opinions about this. Um, grungy green shadows. That's true. Do you like Fuji? So sweet, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, it's not my go-to um, when I'm in Japan because it's like more readily available than Portra. That's when I'll shoot it. But so the, the I have a love mostly hate relationship with Fuji, um, mostly because they keep killing beautiful things. Like it's just <gasps> yeah, they're like, oh, this is popular. People like it. Okay. It's just stop production. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, the the unforgivable thing <laughs> that they did for me was like they killed they killed pack film and I love pack film so much. It's like my all time favorite medium to shoot with yeah. ever. Sure. Um any do you have any left? <laughs> I do. I do have yeah. a few dozen packs left, which is what I'm gonna use to shoot the book with. Um and I've got I've got like a bunch of like FP one hundred C, some FP one hundred B and FP three thousand B. Um yeah. But I mean on the same token too, like I appreciate some of the other things that, that Fuji's done. Like um Instax is a cool format. The cameras are just mostly shit. I wish they would make <laughs> nicer Instax cameras. <laughs> Oh wow! Coming from yeah, you, yeah. Well, because like the the format is beautiful. Like the film is gorgeous. Like, if you shoot Instax in a nice camera, it's beautiful. Like I've gotten some shots that were shot in Raflex of of Instax wide with like a, a Aero Ektar lens, and it's just like like mind blowing. Um, mm. But then you put it in like the shitty Fuji camera with the plastic lens and it's just like potato stuff, which it's is not a shame. for like high-end it's, it's more like beginner casual yeah which, which is great like that's their target market for it yeah. like that's the same thing with like people yeah. that are all upset about the Polaroid now camera and they're just like oh Polaroid's catering to like a shit market it's like no they're trying to like stay alive by like yeah, catering exactly. to people that will like have disposable income to buy something that's interesting and like you know trinkety um and it's also like neat too like what they're doing on the digital camera front as well too like um i was at uh, the launch for the x pro 3 last year and uh god damn that was like a really nice camera to use like it uh i was like if i had thousands of dollars to drop on a camera um i would definitely pick one of those up so Ooh, uh, wait i'm just reading john's comment 
for the RZ. Wow, cool. John's right, though. Um, the Insects just doesn't have the same character as, as Polaroid. Like, Polaroid has a very specific feel to it. Totally. Yeah. And then also, like, it, it's a different feel with the cameras, too. Like, depending on what camera you're using to shoot it, like, the camera I use the most for Polaroid is an SX-70 or, or an SLR-680, which are the pop-up um, instant cameras. And those are, like, a really, really um, unique camera to shoot with. Like, I've got a couple that are in Texas right now getting, um, getting doctored up, but one of them is, like, going to be geared specifically for studio shooting, um, which will be fun because like it, it'll be set up so that I could use it with my my strobes and stuff um wow I can't wait to see that that's cool I I don't shoot Polaroid anymore but maybe I will I stopped because it it hurts the, the wallet <laughs> every not, shot and yeah yeah like it's the the Polaroid book cost me a lot more money than I'd like to admit about it. yeah yeah eight shots there, there's almost a hundred photos in that. It's like 98 photos in that book. Whoa. Okay. When does it release? Or is it out? Or um, I'm going to be putting it up for pre-order in, in a couple of weeks here. Um, there's oh. just a couple of things I need to sort out with Blurb um, just to confirm some stuff before I open it up. But I'm going to do probably okay. pre-orders for like three or four weeks and then um, do a production run based off of that. Okay, I will stay in the loop. If you don't want to buy proper inside facts for me and format. Okay, wait, I'm screenshotting that. No. <laughs> yeah, the Lomo Square one is cool. Um, it, it, John is right. So I used that camera when I was out uh, on the Lomo walk. Um, and they make a wide version of that one as well, too. It's a pretty cool, like, pop-out. Is that the uh, white one? Yeah, it's the white one, yeah. Oh, yeah, that one fascinated me. It looks like a Nintendo Wii. <laughs> yeah, they they are very cool and like the yeah, yeah they, they're great. Awesome. And then um Mint camera is also making some really nice um Instax cameras as well too. So cool. there are some good alternatives out there um to the Fuji cameras. Um yeah, lots of options. Like that's the thing that's kind of cool <laughs> is like there is there's stuff on the instant film side that's being created. I just wish um on like the 35 mil 120 side that new cameras would get made because I, um no i'm waiting i can't wait to see the day like you think it'll happen with the film resurgence be expensive. I, I hope it would happen but it's just i think like it'll probably end up being a high-end point and shoot before it'll be like I, an slr yeah um, because like an SLR is just that's going to be a lot more engineering than than you think. And then I had like an interesting chat a couple of weeks ago with Phil Steble, um, who's the co-founder of the Darkroom Lab in uh, San Clemente, and he's saying like in talks he's had with people about um, like a, a new camera being created, the biggest struggle is creating shutters. Um, yeah. So the we just don't really have the ability that we used to to build shutters for like SLR cameras. So 
that's also something that's like possibly pre preventing a return of, uh, of an SLR camera. Like, I mean, Leica is still making 35 um, millimeters, um, but those are like hella expensive. Um, <laughs> the, the F6 was discontinued last year, John. And then the uh, Canon N1 was discontinued the year before that. So okay. yeah, up until last year, Nikon and Leica were like the last two places you could buy a brand new film camera from, but now it's just Leica. Thanks. Which is yeah. so much money. Do you have experience shooting a Hassi? <laughs> yeah. Do you own uh, one? No. See. No. <laughs> I want to try. I like the square format, but I, yeah. <laughs> if you like square format, I would highly recommend looking for a Bronica SQA. I'm doing it. You're going to say Bronica. True. Yeah. Um, but... It's like Japanese Hasselblad, and for the most part, much cheaper as well. Yeah, yeah I have uh, seen that's, that's I, I yeah. shot, the, the first book was all shot with the SQAI, and it's a beautiful camera. Size? It's, it's, it's not overwhelming, is it? Because no, I like the no. size of the Hassie. It's um, <laughs> it's not that big at all. Here, I can, I'll show it to you. Let me go. We'll go for a wander back out into my dirty house again. My RB67 is my favorite, but it, with my proportions, <laughs> it's not always the most ergonomic. Okay. So this is the SQAI. Oh, cool. Okay, wait. So. Compared to a Mamiya 645, is it smaller? It looks smaller. That's cool. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's pretty small. Like, I mean, it's a chunky boy. Um, but the 80 mil lens is wicked dope on it. Um, also, oh, if you cool. want to explore square, these guys are pretty sweet too. Come on. The Mamiya C33. <gasps> these are these are wicked cool cameras as well to shoot square format. And um yeah, like they're it weighs about the same as the Bronica, but you have like the the pop-up viewfinder with it. Um one thing that's also kind of cool with this guy. And I want to do more experimenting with it. Is you can really easily shoot 35 millimeter inside of these um, because you can fit a 35 millimeter cassette in here, and then just take the spool and spool the 35 millimeter up into the top, and so you can shoot with the um, with the frame lines. Um, so you can like expose the whole width of the film, right? Um, which is pretty and um, then you just need a dark bag to take it out afterwards because um, it's uh, you're not able to like rewind it up into the top thing so if you shoot 35 millimeter in in one of these um, you just have to open it up in a dark bag and then like re-spool it back into the canister when it's not that hard to do the one thing though that you have to watch out for on these old Mamiya TLRs is this guy here. Um, so I only put about three rolls of film on this before this broke. This little sprocket here rolls oh. against the film 
and the sprocket is what controls um, the film counter, but also the interlocks for uh, film advancement. And so if this breaks, the camera basically doesn't really work anymore. Um, so I spent almost as much as I spent on the camera to get this fixed by a place in Montreal um, because the camera is basically <laughs> just watch out for that. But the, the C33s are such a cool camera and like for doing street photography, they're wicked awesome because the shutter is like dead silent on it. Like uh, here, let me. Yeah, okay, let's go. We got the shutter here. And so I'll get the microphone up close so you can try and hear it. But this is the shutter noise. Oh, come on, buddy. Why aren't you going? That's it. Just that little click. Wow. That's all the shutter noise. <laughs> Compared here, to we'll, the we'll do one. <laughs> That's it. Just oh, that little wow. click. And then, if you're like, doing noise outside, you can't even hear that. Yeah, if you're doing street photography, it's great um, because you can also just like if you're wearing it um, around your neck, yeah. you kind of just got it like this, and so you can just casually sort of like frame up the shots of what you're looking at people, and just then hang out and wait for the moment. So when I'm shooting with um, the Mumia or with the Bronica, I'll usually focus and frame everything and then just stand and wait for the right moment to hit the shutter, which is different from what I'm shooting with 35 millimeter. Every camera, every kind, different kind of camera offers a different experience. It's so cool. No two are the same. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of fun. I love it. I love it. Waste level finders forever. Waste level finders are a good time. I, I really enjoy waste level finders. I like the like just the vulnerability of it not having like to stare directly into your subject's eyes and you hunched over so you're like in a more submissive position and they get to be there. I like it. Well, and it's also a little less threatening as well, too, because, like, when, when you're holding, like, the camera up and you're pointing it at them, it's like you have a barrier between... Them. Yeah, it, it is It is kind of scary, whereas, like, when, you're, when you've got a waist-level finder, and what I really like with the Bronica is, like, I can just hold it in my palm and just sort of, like, have it there. So once I've focused and framed and I can like look down at the waist level and make sure everything's cool, I can be having a conversation with the, the subject I'm working with. And then I'll just like wait for like an honest moment and then fire it. And they'll have no idea what I'm actually going to fire because like, we're just talking and just like, nice. yeah, what do you think really about this? Like, yeah, which makes it kind of fun. That's so cool. Wait, is that Mamiya C30? Yeah, the, the C30, uh, C330 is just like the upper end model of it. So it's like the C3, C330, C33 are all more or less functionally similar. Uh, same with the C2, the C20, and the C220. Um, the, yeah, just the the, C, the Mumia C series. Like they're, they're great um, TLR cameras if you want to get into like 6x6. I like the square cool. format though because it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Do they go for a lot? I don't imagine so. Um, 
I think like there's anywhere from like four to six hundred bucks, sometimes more, depending on you know what you're going with. Again, like a nice lens to get, like to start off with medium format is usually like eighty mil. That, mm, that's a good that's place. Yeah. I don't know how long your your lives are usually, but I'm getting hungry. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just gonna say like um I was just gonna like yeah, start start wrapping up here. Um I really appreciate so you. Um, like the time went by so quickly. It does. So like before there used to be like a hard limit on an hour and um bro, yeah, that never happened. Yeah, so Instagram removed that block. There's no more hard limit. So Good. now the um the lives have been going like usually about a half like hour and a half hour 45 minutes um which has been interesting because like before we'd always kind of like the hour would like be almost too little right. because we'd just start getting going and then it's like oh no we have to stop um so yeah this is a this is a good time so thank oh. you so much it was great chatting with you thank you for having me i can't wait are these do these happen every thursday or every other thursday Every Thursday, I do them, except cool. for next week. It's going to be on Wednesday, and it's going to be later. Um, so next week, I'm going to have uh, Jason Cumberfelt, uh, who also goes by Grainy Days on YouTube. He's going to be my guest next week. And cool. um, he couldn't do Thursday because he's got um, a buddy of his has a premiere for a short film that he made on Thursday. Cool. Um, so we're going to do it Wednesday, but he also doesn't get off work until 7 p.m. Pacific time. So it's going to be oh. Wednesday. <laughs> midnight. <laughs> no, 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 not quite midnight, but it's it's going to be it's going to be a late night feature. Um, <clears throat> but typically, I always do them every Thursday um, at 8 p.m. Um, Eastern, which seems to be like a kind of good time to like catch people yeah, in people are in their beds their couches just chilling exactly so thank you so much and i look forward to like chatting with you more and uh thank you everyone for joining us tonight and uh hope to see you all next week take care all right see ya bye